Good morning, and welcome to According to the Scriptures. My name is Kyle Webb, and I serve as the minister for the Mars Hill Church of Christ that meets in Christiana, Tennessee. I am thankful that you have joined our program. It's a wonderful blessing and opportunity to be able to be with you. Uh, it's a something that, especially now, uh, it's harder for us preachers to preach the Word. It's harder for us to pits like we would normally be. And and um, anyway, it's nice to have this opportunity to be able to, to share this time with you and to have you be a part of our program for today. Today we get into the, the real meat of what we've been leading up to over the last couple of weeks Today we are going to talk about Gideon, and we are going to talk about his valiant 300 men, uh, as the way that the uh, New King James puts it in the very beginning. Um, and so we're going to look at the, the real meat of the story and, and how this army was dwindled. We have noticed a, a little bit about it um, in the last few days. Uh, we have already noticed the uh, the the dwindling by releasing the fearful and afraid. I know we got that much, um, but there's uh, still a, a lot that we haven't discussed. And so we're going to finish up that discussion today. And then, uh, Lord willing, next week at 11 a.m., we will uh, do something different. We'll we'll do continue our series, but we're going to do a different lesson. And so. Uh, that way you don't get too bored and, and studying the same thing, I guess. Uh, but next week I, I have a plan. I want to look at Moses. We're not going to look at his whole life by any means because there's just so much there. But I think whenever we look at his calling especially, we find something very interesting about Moses. Uh, we find uh, how he, too, would, he at least considered himself to be an underdog. And that's what we're talking about, the underdogs of the Bible. And so we've started with Gideon. And next week, I want us to go back and pick up Moses and and just look at his calling and look at at how he um, came to minister before the people, to minister before God in the way that he did. It's a a very interesting study. And so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on that, but that is my plan. Uh, today, if you would like to, to put in anything to this lesson, I've been inviting you the last few weeks to email me because I can see notifications from my email on my iPad. They'll drop down and, and I'll see that I have a message and I can look at that. So if you have any comments, anything that you would like to, to add to the lesson during the lesson, um, I would be glad to entertain those. Uh, otherwise, if you want to send us some kind of uh, just uh, you're doing a good job or whatever, any kind of comments that you have about the program, um, ways that, that, that maybe I can make it better and maybe make it a little bit more enjoyable for you. If I can do that, then let me know. Um, but we would love to hear from you. Uh, and you can email me personally. Uh, if you want to go to the website, you can do it that way at Mars Hill C-O-C dot org mars m a r s hill h i l l c o c dot o r g you can also um just send it directly to my email b k web w e b b 519 at gmail.com again that is b k 
wabb519 at gmail.com. And so if you want to, to send us a comment, whatever, if you want to, to just anything you want to, to give us, we would love to hear from you. Before we get into our lesson for today, let's bow in a word of prayer. <clears throat> our holy and righteous Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessing that you've given to us. and We thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have been given to study your word together. And we pray that you would bless our study today, that you would bless our time together. Help us to grow in our knowledge of you and your word and help us to, to truly be better Christians than what we have been. Help us to, to be better prepared in the days and weeks ahead of us. And Father, we are especially mindful during this time of those who are sick and those who are suffering. We pray that you would be with them, that you would provide them with whatever they may need. And Father, we pray that you would provide them with healing. And we know that there are many who who will most likely lose, lose their lives in the days and weeks ahead. And we pray that you would give them comfort, uh, bless their families with comfort as well. And we pray, Father, that they have prepared themselves in such a way as to be ready for judgment, be ready for eternity. We pray that we would all recognize the need to prepare ourselves and and also the needs of others help us to provide in any way that we can help us to, to reach out to those who are lost and and teach them the gospel. Help us to recognize the importance of us fulfilling your commission. And Father, we are thankful for your son, for his sacrifice, for our sins, and for all that he means to, to us and it is through him that we humbly pray. Amen. All right, as we get into our lesson today, we are still in the book of Judges. We are in Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 7. And uh, we're going to pick up reading the first eight verses. I don't remember if we got through all eight verses or not. I know we started, but I'm not sure exactly what point we got to. So we're going to reread verses 1 through 8, and then we will... We'll add some comments, we'll discuss them, and then we'll, we'll see the outcome of the battle that we're, we're reading about. Gideon is, is a very interesting person, um, and I've told you before, I try not to refer to these as characters, because I don't want you to get the wrong idea that, that these are just characters in a story, such as you know, something that we would read in, in, in a book. These are real people. This is telling of real people, and I want you to recognize that these are real people. And I'm not saying that, that anyone that does refer to them as characters is wrong or anything like that. I'm just saying that, that I try not to, to refer to them in that way because I don't want to give you the wrong idea about them. So as we look at, at Gideon, recognize that he is a real person, that these are real events, that this really happened. It's not just based on a true story. It is a true story, and that's very important for us to remember. Now, as we begin chapter 7 and verse 1, we begin reading about Jeroboam. And Jeroboam is the same as Gideon. And so whenever you read the name Jeroboam, and 
And I believe there are some other places throughout Scripture that that he is mentioned as Jeroboam. But we we recognize him as Gideon. Um, that was uh, originally the name that was given to him. Uh, I believe Jeroboam was the one that came uh, whenever he destroyed the the altar to Baal and all that. We we have already read that part. Um, we recognize what what he did. He went against his father. He went against his family who believed in idolatry. They, they practiced idolatry. And one of his first big tests was God telling him, destroy the altar of Baal. He had to forsake family. He had to forsake um, their feelings for him or his feelings for them. And this is something that comes even in the New Testament. Um, I believe it's in Matthew chapter 10. I'm going to try to find what I am looking for. And it may not be Matthew chapter 10, but I think that it is. And I'll add a little something here for for what we're, we're talking about. It is. It is Matthew chapter 10. And let's begin reading in verse 34. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He is preparing them to go out and preparing them to go into a world who is going to be difficult. The mission that they were given was going to be difficult. And so Jesus, speaking to his disciples in that way, he says in verse 35, For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. I want you to notice what Jesus says here. I have come to set a man against his father. That's exactly what Gideon was doing. A daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Uh, and just the, this idea of family, a man's enemies will be those of his own household. That is Jesus speaking to his disciples, his apostles, that he was sending out into the world with the mission. And they were going to face difficulty. And at times it would mean forsaking family. Well, Gideon had to do that same thing. And it was not an easy task for him. It was a very difficult thing for him to do, and he was very afraid. Um, there is so much about that that you know, you know. Sometimes we read of, of people like Abraham. Okay, let's think of Abraham for a moment. One of the things that we're told in Genesis chapter twelve is that he was told to to leave his home, to leave his family, and there's speculation as to to, to how much time it actually took him to leave, but he did leave. He did what God told him to do. Uh, When God told him to sacrifice his son in chapter 22, we're not told that he questioned that in any way, but that he did what God wanted him to do. Now, as far as Abraham is concerned, we see that 
that he was willing. He, he, he did what God wanted him to do without question. I think Noah uh, is one of those two where we read of, of God coming to him in chapter six of Genesis and, and telling him to build a boat. Well, he did it. That's not to say that there aren't fears involved in doing the things that God wants us to do. And with Gideon, instead of uh, being told of him immediately, just doing what God wanted him to do, he, he had to think about it. He had to question it. He, he wasn't even sure, uh, even after he destroyed this altar, that, that he was doing the, the right thing. He wanted some assurance, and he asked for the sign of the fleets. Um, in one instance, the fleece was to be uh, wet and the ground around it dry from the dew. Uh, in the other instance, the, the ground was supposed to be wet and the fleece was, I think I just said that backwards. The, or no, the ground was going to be wet and the fleece was going to be dry. But anyway, he asked for the sign of the fleece and he still wasn't sure of what he was doing. Um, God tells him in verse 14 of Genesis, or Judges chapter 6, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? But his reply in verse 15 is, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? He didn't see what God saw in him. And that's something that we spent a, a great deal of time on. Uh, we don't have time to, to really go back and, and look at the whole lesson because I do want us to finish with chapter 7. But I do want you to recognize that, that yes, Gideon had his fears. He was not perfect in doing this. And, and he wasn't without reason to have fear. And sometimes we have, have reason to fear man or, or what have you. But it's important that we not fear what man can do to us. But, but fear what God can do us in judgment. We need to fear God more so than we fear man. We need to respect God and we need to obey him. And that's exactly what Gideon needed to do. So as we pick up with Judges chapter 7, Gideon is going to go forth as God has told him to. But it wasn't without fear. It, it took preparation. And even in the midst of this, it still is going to take a dream. And we'll see that uh, in a moment uh, of how that prepared Gideon. Judges chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreb in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. What? What is God saying? The people are too many? An army that is too great, too big? Is there even such a thing? Well, in God's case, it was. Your men, you, the, the army that you've assembled, it's too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. We talked about last week the importance that, that God was leading them, and they needed to recognize that God was leading them, 
It's the same way with Joshua and the walls of Jericho. That was something that could not happen by the power of man, that they would just march around the walls, blow trumpets, and and the walls are going to fall. That doesn't just happen. But God needed to show his people. And not just his people, because word went out across all the nations that they had defeated these armies in the way that they had. And it was a representation that God was with his people, more so than any other God. Of course, they don't exist, but any other God that might be for an army or for a people's God is with the people of Israel. They recognized this, this, and they recognized, even if they believed in many different gods, they recognized that the God of Israel was more powerful and was there. Lest they claim glory for themselves, this army was too big. Now, therefore, in verse 3, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Okay, now we've got 10,000 people. We've gone from, from an army of, uh, I believe, what was it, 32,000. Now we have an army of 10,000. Okay, it was 22,000, and the people returned, and 10,000 remained. So, but it was thir- yeah, 32,000. They left, 10,000 remained. Now, we get to verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. We have an army of 10,000 people left. Well, there's still too many. The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. The same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you. The same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands. And he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now, looking at Gideon and looking at what is going on here, we come to a point where his army is dwindled to just 300 men. From 32,000 to 300, that, that's it. That's all that's left. So, in looking at, at what is happening here, how in the world is Gideon going to defeat the Midianites? We're going to look at the the numbers of their army. Look at verse 12. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand 
by the seashore in multitude. That's how many were the Midianites and Amalekites, this army that Gideon was facing. Now, as we look at at the comparison, 300 men versus an army that is more numerous than even the sand on the seashore. Where have we heard that before? You think of Abraham, um, for instance, and Abraham was told that his descendants would be more than the sand on the seashore, more than the stars in the sky. As innumerable as those things are, we could not go to a beach and pick out every grain of sand and count them. That's what Midian looked like before Israel, an army of only 300. Well, let's read what happens. Um, we pick up with verse 13. And when Gideon had come, there was a telling, uh, a man telling a dream to his companion. And he said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. And, and his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. What is the purpose of this dream? Well, I think it's, again, a preparation for Gideon because Gideon doesn't know that he is going to defeat the Midianites. He has been told by God, but he doesn't know how. And he needs a little encouragement. He needs that preparation. Uh, it says in verse 15, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. He is sharing this confidence with the people. Again, do they know exactly uh, what's going to happen? They, they don't. But God is preparing Gideon with confidence. And Gideon is sharing that confidence. We talked about the fearful and afraid and how dangerous that can be to an army, uh, to an army of, of people. If, if you only have even one that's fearful and afraid and, and he shares that fear, they're going to go into battle with fear. Gideon has confidence now, and he's sharing that confidence with the people. We pick up with verse 16. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, look at me and do, do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and, and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the, the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch. And they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against 
his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia toward Zerah, as far as the border of Abel Mahola by Tabath. And the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh, and pursued the Midianites. And you know what? They had victory. They defeated the Midianites. I want you to notice very interestingly how they refer to the sword of Gideon. Uh, whenever they refer to this sword of Gideon, uh, yes, I, I'm sure they had some kind of weapons, but did you notice that they raised not one weapon? They cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon, and yet they raised not one weapon in battle. That's not something that man can do. That's something that only God can do. The, the Midianites, even though they far outnumbered the army of Gideon, they fled. They, they, they really defeated themselves. That was something that only God could do. Now, we notice that there are several things in Gideon's life that are exhibited um, I think of humility and caution, his spirituality, his obedience, his strategy, his tact, his loyalty to God. All of these things are, are very important. Gideon went in the name of the Lord, and he was victorious despite the fact that he lacked an army. Now, we realize success. There are three different things. I, I have a, an outline in front of me. Someone else prepared it. Um, uh, uh, Gene Taylor. Uh, but anyway, these are, are three things that he points out. Unity. They heard only the voice of their captain. Uh, they didn't listen to, to outside noises or anything that would discourage them, but they listened to the voice of their captain. Obedience. They followed the example of Gideon. They did exactly what Gideon told them to do and exactly what he did. And their faithfulness, every man stood in his own place. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. And because of that, because of their faithfulness to what God had told them to do and, and by listening to the, the commands of Gideon, God led them to victory. God can lead us to victory, but we have to put our faith and our trust in him. Uh, in your own time, you might want to read Hebrews chapter 11, verses 30 through 34. And Gideon is mentioned here and several other things. We find him listed in the great hall of faith. Gideon put his faith in God and he was victorious. And we can be too, even though we may be small, even though we may be insignificant in the eyes of man, we are significant in the eyes of God. And with that, I leave you. I, I know I had to rush a little bit to, to get this done. But um, anyway, I, I hope this has been a helpful lesson. I look forward to being back with you again next Tuesday at 11 a.m. as we study another portion of God's word together according to the scriptures. Thank you for being with me today. And until we meet again, may God bless you.